Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Spinning Thoughts Podcast. This is Angelo coming at you once more with my dude, Brandon. What's up, man? Yo, man, not too much. How you been feeling? I've been feeling great. Hey, I, I don't want to be that guy. I know nobody can see you since this is a podcast, but you got yeah. a nice big thing in your beard. Like, uh, I don't know if it's a piece of food or... Uh, can you see? Can you... Yeah, there. Uh, nope, still in there. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> there you go. Is you it got a it. Reflection. I don't know what the hell it is. Look, looking good, looking good. All right, so Brandon, we're here again with the Spinning Thoughts podcast. This is episode what nineteen. So, you know, we're building up the arsenal, and I'm very glad to introduce our next guest that we're featuring. Uh, Brandon, you ready? Yes, sir. So. Everybody, let's welcome Mr. Tom May from the Menzingers. Tom, what's up, man? Hello, how you guys doing? Uh, we're doing very, very well, Tom. How about you? What's what's shaking over in Philly? Ah, uh, man, uh, it's great. It's a great day. It's just about uh, holiday time where everybody kind of winds down and everybody's got work off. And yeah, I'm doing doing pretty good. So, does that mean that the band gets some time off around this time of year too? Uh, yeah, always. Uh, anytime, it seems like the whole music industry kind of slows down to a grinding halt in December. It yep. picks up again later in January. It's pretty, uh, yeah, it's funny. But for us and the whole band, we kind of, everybody kind of goes their own way for a week or two, does their own things. Eric's actually going to New Zealand. So wow. That's pretty awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it'll be, be pretty sick. Done their summer, so that's fantastic. But yeah, we're just going to hang out with family, get to see uh, a lot of our old friends, people come back to the area that have moved away. It's always a, a good time of year. Yeah, I'm sure it was a busy 2016. We'll talk a lot about what's been going on this past year and what you guys have coming up here in 2017. So let's kind of kick this off. Uh, Tom, you guys, uh, you in particular with the band, you do a lot of interviews. And a question that you get asked a lot is, what does the Menzingers mean? Where does it come from? You seem to have a lot of fun when you answer this question. You give different random answers um i'm not gonna be another guy to ask you the meaning of the band however i am gonna ask you this what is your favorite funniest go-to response to the band name question oh man i don't know if i have a favorite one um i think my favorite one is just to act socially strange you know just kind of like pretend like uh not offended by the question but just pretend (laughs) pretend that it's kind of like something that we really don't want to talk about like you don't want to talk about the time you got fired for doing something real stupid or like, you know, some kind of event that happened. Yeah. That's definitely probably my favorite because it's, uh, it's off-putting. Which kind of mean, you know, somebody just is, is a, giving you the time of day to interview your band who's going to be a dick and not tell them or uh, make up some kind of fake story. Like, totally uh, kind of a dick move, but it's still funny. I don't care. Uh, you know, bands get asked it all the time and, and the responses are, are yeah. kind of funny because some take it serious, some don't. You don't know if they're telling the truth or not. 
Um, the Beatles, even yeah. back to the Beatles, they used to do that kind of being cryptic on uh, the name and, and things like that. Uh, my favorite from my research of, of you being asked that question, the one time you answered, um, if I'm remembering correctly, that it was like a password that you had to use for your first time at like a bathhouse. I thought that one was pretty yeah. good. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I think that just you know, that's pretty funny. I forgot Even about that. Even the old zinger there, I got you. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, and, and I think it's a, it is kind of also funny to think about the idea that uh, we're the ones who named the band that, and based on you know my entire life and part of my personal identity is that. So to to not take it seriously uh, or to not be uh, given honest answers, kind of like a giant you know hypocritical thing to do. But it's kind of just grasping for not wanting to. Not having some kind of great uh, artistic genius behind it, you know, there's no like, it's not clever. So, like, well, uh, you know, art in general needs to leave fun. a little suspense and um, keep people yeah. kind of on their toes. So, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, diving exactly. a little bit deeper, you know, you then. Just solved it for me. I'm gonna feel much better. <laughs> now. There we go. Good. If you ever want to come out and, and say what the band name is, where it comes from, we'll we'll be glad to take it. But um, otherwise, we appreciate your approach to it on a normal basis. So uh, the, the Menzingers, um, you guys have a new single that came out recently, Lookers. Um, it's off of the upcoming album, After the Party, which we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the pod. But the song Lookers was ranked 54 on Noisy's 100 Best Songs of 2016. You know that, right? Uh, I don't think I knew that. That's pretty cool. Okay, yeah, well, there you go. Down, so I'm not sure who... Past me. Yeah. yeah. Boom. I haven't really heard much of Noises. I'm not sure exactly what they typically do. But yeah, from my research, you guys were listed as one of their uh, 100 best songs of 2016. You were ranked 54. So since you didn't know that, I wanted to bring you up to speed. Now, number 53 right in front of you was Miranda Lambert, and it was her song, Running Just In Case. She snuck right in front of you. So if Miranda was listening, and we all know that she probably is, what would you say to her that she she took 53 from you? Other than fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I guess I could get mad about it. Uh, uh, Noisy is pretty awesome publication. Cool lists are cool, man. Listicles you see them on Facebook and shit. Um, yeah, I guess I'd say that. Uh, well, I'd have to refresh and 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 uh, listen to her music. I don't really listen to that much um, country music. I'm not, I'm right. not really familiar with Miranda Lambert. I not a lot of country. Uh, job, you know? Not a lot of country artists out your way in Philly. No, uh, maybe uh, there's a country night at Bob and Barber's I've been meaning to go to forever. There you go. Some of my friends are, are, are really into country, that I, and I uh, really like it. My girlfriend listens to a lot of country, and growing up, my uh, sister's always listened to a lot of country. And the older I get, the more I like it, the more I, I'm finding stuff uh, from other times where I'm like, hey, you know, this is a this is a really well written song. There's a lot of people, a lot of people with a lot to say. You know, all those. Johnny Cash America Series records are yep. fucking awesome, man. Like, Absolutely. Uh, I missed out on country because I was too busy thinking that country was stupid for so many years <laughs> and realizing that. I know Brandon's a big fan of like older, old school kind of country uh, music yeah, and artists. I don't artists. like a lot of this manufactured type shit that's that's on the radio right now, but. Yeah, there's a couple of new ones like Jason Isbell. Oh, that is pretty awesome. That's some great shit. There really is um, some yeah. talent out there, but it's yeah. uh, I think it's executed in a bad way. You know, part of the machine. It's all, I don't know. It's a different, different subject for a different time, I guess. Well, and, and kind of to, to yeah. piggyback off of that, though. So 
building off of this Noisy's 100 Best Songs of 2016. So uh, it seems anymore, when you look at lists like Noisy's, there's a distinct statement of what is popular in music these days. For example, here are some of the artists that were listed in the top 20 of this Noisy's 100 Best of 2016. So in the top 20, we had artists like Rihanna, Little Yachty, Drake, Beyonce, Frank Ocean, Chance the Rapper, Little Wayne, Kanye West, Designer, etc. Dude, are you on the lamb right now, man? <laughs> Somebody's somebody might have been injured. It sounds. Oh no, sorry. I just <laughs> that's funny. I didn't realize you guys could hear the sirens. I live in a really busy street here in Philly, uh, and there's a, a police station pretty close by, so there's quite frequently cops blasting by. Hey, that's but it all good. an opportunity to make a stupid joke about it every single time. <laughs> uh, which is definitely what I do. We like the hustle and bustle, yeah. but so yeah. those artists that I were mentioning, they're, they're, there's kind of like a trend in, in what may be considered popular these days uh, for artists, music, genre, things like that. So uh, my question to you is, what are your thoughts on the direction and or future of music, particularly for bands and even more specifically for bands of the punk rock genre? I don't know. I think that the way that people listen to music has changed. Uh, and the way that they're exposed to music has certainly changed. I mean, you can't even really argue that it hasn't changed. So you have places like Noisy, which writes a lot of really cool articles, and uh, they have some really interesting and, and, and uh, you know, thought-provoking and fun things to say about music and different genres and, and events that they've covered. But uh, so their list, their hundred lists or whatever, is not based off of, uh, you know, it's not an empirical thing. It's not an right. objective list. You can't, uh, maybe Spotify's top 100 played songs of the year. Maybe Apple Music's 100 played songs. That's uh, something you can measure that the, the pulse of, of, of how people are listening to music. The rest exists as kind of like uh, tastemakers. You know, they, uh, uh, they're the gatekeepers of to what people are going to consider uh, to be good or what they want to listen to or what they want to buy. If not everybody has a lot of time to go through the thousands and thousands of uh, songs and artists that come out constantly. And I think that with the the, the decline and arguable almost death of, of a lot of uh, print journalism, get all the websites that do this um, music, you know, they're, they're critical about music, music critics, like, are kind of uh, lumped in and a little bit more, let's say, passive uh, into the regular person who's just looking at a Facebook um something that their cousin posted on Facebook or something like that. And I don't think that the, I don't think that the, the, they still burn as bright as they used to. And the way that people uh, find out which music they want to listen to, as far as guitar music and uh, punk rock specifically, it seems that it might be less popular now than it was. And that makes total sense. It's just like, you know, uh, string band, simple and other country music or show tunes are less popular now because of the evolution of, Guitar music, then you have electronic music, and um, right. the, the the technology and everything has changed, and kind of keeps moving that way. And I, I don't really know where it's going to go. I can tell you, with um, Donald Trump being president, and with the way that um, people's sentiments and politics move, I can see um, more anti-establishment vibes. They normally found a punk rock mic take a, a bit of a, a, an uptick and the pendulum may swing more in that direction. So it's funny that you mentioned that because that that's kind of the transition um, that I wanted to head into. So to, to kind of finish talking about this Noisy's 100 Best Songs of 2016, the number one song that was listed of the 100 was a song I've never heard it before. It was called, or it is called Fuck Donald Trump 
by YG featuring Nipsey Hussle. Who's YG? Is that I, a, a I abbreviation no for something? I have no clue. Young Tom, you ever hear of it? Yeezy or Young, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is either. I, I actually listened to that song. Somebody played it for me. We listened to it uh, in the van on the way. We, we played uh, a benefit show in Scranton each year in December. Um, we were on our way up to Scranton from Philadelphia in the van with um, a bunch of our friends and some people that were working with us on the show. And they played uh, I played that song in the van. It's really yeah, it's pretty good, man. It's a pretty uh, interesting song. Um, there's a lot of sentiments that they say, that they share with a lot of people and a lot of musicians in that song. I think that was kind of a uh, you know it's definitely a political statement by noise. I'd say to pick that as the number one song of the year and. It kind of sums up people's sentiments for the for the year, yeah. It does sense. sum up 2016 pretty well, um, and and it so does, yeah. speaking of you know this this year this election cycle in 2016, where is your mind at right now uh, with the new president elect? Are you are you vocal with politics? Where, where do you stand? Yeah, I've always been pretty vocal with politics. So we've had a lot of political songs, and I've always personally been very. Um, vocal and involved not maybe i should have been more involved and less vocal uh with <laughs> politics throughout my life but uh this year especially with the way that people of all political leanings and, and socioeconomic backgrounds and um you know demographic backgrounds uh, it, it seems like there's a lot of people who aren't really empathetic towards the um situations of others and there's people who have like um an inability or an unwant to communicate with each other on all sides. And I, I just, for me personally, and I, it's difficult when you're in a band with other people to speak for them. So I can't, right. you know, I can't speak for everybody, of course, but for myself, I've definitely mm. been looking inward a lot the last two months. I'm going to try to fix myself before I start to try to fix um, everybody else. It seems like that might be the right thing to do at this point in my life. And in this uh, current political climate, um, yeah, it's very strange. I think that, uh, uh, the candidates brought out the worst of a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, not a, I was not, when I went in and voted, uh, I was not happy <laughs> about any of the people I could vote for. So right. It's really, yeah, it's, it's very dis- disenchanting, very disillusioning. Well, Tom, have you and, and the Menzingers approached politics in your music or, you know, in the past, or is that something you plan on starting to do? Talk to me about that. We've always, uh, talked about politics and had political songs. Um, when we first started to come of age, it was right. I graduated high school in 2005. Uh, Me too. I first started to pay there attention to the news. It was really, hey, nice. When I first started to pay attention to the news, it was, it was right after, well, I remember September 11th happening when I was a freshman in high school. Yep. I just started to get into punk rock and start to understand some of the different political ideas and, and realize that the world was not, but first I realized a couple of historical um facts that are just not <laughs> that are being taught to you incorrectly in school and you realize that there's kind of like a this power struggle that has always existed and that people in control of, uh, of the government and people in control of even you know uh, uh the different means of um sustenance and, and resources have been it's been not uh fair <laughs> to everyone else it's totally fucked up we go to war for reasons that are uh, non-existent lies i mean the economic system itself is set up to to fail uh, people like us. Right. And those are things we first started to, 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 to realize at that age. Um, and then all of a sudden September 11th happened and the country exploded in a, a wild nationalistic fervor with a reinvigorated militarism and 
we went and, and we knew I knew people from uh, my city and school that went to war in the desert, you know, to die for someone else's money. Like it's just right. It was completely insane. So we always were very, very political uh, in those terms and tried to talk about peace and uh, anti-war and different um, means and honesty of uh, fairness and economics. That was always something that's been pretty close to us. And always will be that way. And, and, we don't necessarily write as many political songs because it's kind of difficult to write a straightforward political song that right. isn't um uh what's like like corny you know like yeah it's not, uh yeah it's difficult to to to, to do that okay. you want the message to carry weight and not to be overlooked by mediocrity or you know repetitive you know repetitive you know lyrics i guess you could say it is tough and, and those are some of the strongest songs not just even politically but in general you know cutting out um some of the cliche and really getting down to, you know, some meaningful lyrics. Now, um, the band is releasing their fifth studio album, I believe, right? The fifth one, it's called after the party on February 3rd of 2017, right? Congratulations. Hey, thank you very much. Finally. Can't wait till it comes out. We finished recording it in May. So we've just been kind of sitting on it for a long time. That's gotta be tough. Um, I, Brandon and I play in in some bands and, and I know when we get out of the studio, I mean, we want to we want to post it. You know, we want it to be shared. We want to have everyone hear it right away. So, I mean, w- what's it like to sit on it for for that long? Is it tough? Yeah, it sucks. I mean, I want to know what my friends think about it. I want the I want uh, criticisms. I want to be validated in what yeah. I've done. You know, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> oh, there's all those selfish reasons, and then there's also I really want to see um, how it makes people feel. And also, every time that we put out a record. It's exciting things happen. Uh, you know, we go right. on tours, we get to travel to new places that we haven't been to before. We get to uh, the shows. There's a new era, of, excuse me, of excitement. There's a novelty to the entire process and the entire experience, which is very attractive. Just, uh, you know, the whole thing is just a really exciting and uh, uh, empowering uh, event to happen releasing a record. And it's something, it's, it's what we do. It's like the one thing that I do. Yeah. Music, you know. What, what, uh, it's not the one thing I do, but it's like the driving force of what I do in my life. What is what goes behind the decision to to release an album like in this experience with After the Party? You finished recording in mm-hmm. May of 2016. It's coming out beginning of February, February 3rd of 2017. What kind of thought process, decision making, you know, process do you go through to determine that there needs to be that length of time? Were you guys really trying to build up? A social media presence, even though you're already there, trying to get more shows. I mean, what what goes behind that decision? Instead of releasing it uh, in 2016, there's a, there's a whole lot. There's the actual logistics of releasing the record and and, and uh, curating the record. So you have to uh, decide which songs you want to be on the record. First of all, uh, you have to decide what order the record's going to be in. Uh, finish up the artwork. Decide what kind of uh, thematic way you want to tie everything together in yep. regards to the aesthetic of the actual record and. Uh, of course, the aesthetic of the, the music itself. Um, then that's a push uh, a push pull. Not really a push pull, but that's a, 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 a informed discussion between several people. You know, it's a, all four band members. So we have our manager Tim, and then several people at the record label that are really invested in, in what we do and really um, back us and, and really want to make the record the best that it can be and, and get it to as many people as we can. So then after that, you have to figure out how long it takes to press each different media from where. 
and the schedule of um, like you, you said, you mentioned build up a social media presence. Like it, not only building up a social media presence, but we're going to have a, a, a strategy of um, you know where where we're going to buy ads for the record and things right. like that. And it also is reflective upon what else is going on at the label, what else is going on in our scene at the time. We don't want to put out a record the same time as you know any uh, another band that is just like us. You know, we don't want to get lost in that. Um, in that confusion, so do you find where it's just like whatever, you know? Do you find yourself thinking of the tracks on after the party and dissecting them yourself and thinking like, man, like I wish I could have done this song differently, or I wish I could have added in this song? Are you going? Do, do you ever go through that kind of back and forth with uh, yourself in that regard? Yeah, there's some. Uh... I guess a little bit of regret sometimes you could have. I wouldn't really call it regret though. It's not really healthy to do regret. You, you can't regret it. You'll go crazy. Oh, um, for sure. What we did is done. So you have to just uh, <laughs> uh, like it. And, and I'd say this time around, there's less things that I'm questioning than any other record that we've released, which is a really good feeling. And um, like, that's a good point. When you have something for so long uh, before it comes out and there's a little bit of an air of uncertainty because we don't know how it's going to be received by the people that like our music. So it's kind of a, uh, yeah, that uncertainty is a little bit unsettling. But at the end of the day, you just look at it as something that uh, we made that I'm really excited about, and you know, it's, I'm fully confident in it. And so, yeah. What I'm is it that it. that you're trying to accomplish with this album? Uh, I don't know. You know, it's kind of take it as we we want to write a record that's going to be an improvement upon how we wrote and recorded before and i think we definitely did that there's no kind of like um overarching conceptual idea that we wanted to do on this record we didn't want this record to be like our you know compared to some other bands sta uh, staple uh release or something i think well actually when we came, went into it we wanted to make it the um the quintessential bar jukebox record that's what we wanted yeah. to go for when we were writing because we had spent a lot of time writing uh in the in our practice space and we just every single song we just wanted to be really a fun listen or a good listen and the whole idea was that we would just make every single song be great to have on um, at a bar with your friends or by yourself so your songs from all that i've listened to and and i spent the last couple of days really diving into your discography and and listening to as many songs as I possibly could. And, and there, there's kind of a little bit of a theme that, that I picked up on. I know you've been asked questions like this before, but your songs often speak of specific people, even by name or you reference the idea of somebody. For example, in Bad Catholics, one of your new singles, you say, quote, thank God for your father's last name and all the connections, connections that he's made. In Sun Hotel, which is actually one of my favorite songs, from you guys, um, you say, from all the parties Chris was throwing that summer that they took us in, are these real people and real experiences? Some bands are vague in their lyrics, but the Menzingers have always been, or at least from my perspective, seem to be meticulously descriptive. Why is that? I think that when you're meticulously descriptive, that's a great way to put it. I like that. Then you can bring a, a realness or an authenticity or a, a even some kind of um, familiarity to a person when you're when you're listening to it. When you have these real people that are archetypal people, uh, whether they exist in your life as actual memories and actual people, or they're just member uh, characters in a in a in a story, uh, when you actually have it down, narrowed, and pinpoint, there's a familiarity to it that becomes immediately relatable to someone. You know, it's like um, 
it can resonate, I think, deeper um, with yourself and with someone else and kind of, uh, you know, it's like a, a, a way to make things ring true and be a little bit more relatable to your own personal life. So if you are writing about someone in particular, do you ever do you ever tell them? Do you hit them up and like say, hey, Kyle, I'm, I'm writing a song about you. You're going to be in this song. Um, and if and if so, what kind of reception do you get from the people that are going to live kind of forever in your music? Uh, people, they'll know, uh, you know, you don't necessarily really talk about it, um, in that light, but it is, you know, it's more so, that's a pretty personal thing, you know, like a relationship between, uh, you know, ourselves and the, the people that we're writing about on the, on an actual literal level when that happens, you know, it's more so what we project in the music is not really people listening to our records don't know me and this other person, you know, they don't have right. uh, that experience. So it's not there for that reason. Well, I mean, do yeah. you talk to the person like that you're, that's maybe mentioned or referenced in the song? Like, do you guys have conversations about, you know, them being in the music? What are their thoughts on that kind of participation? It seems to be flattering. Some of the, some of the people we've talked about have passed uh, a lot of the times. Okay. So, you know, it's not really, uh, can't talk to them about it. Right. Right. <laughs> and then the, uh, but other people, um, you know, they know, and it's it's flattering, and um, yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's been, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking of some of the really intense and interesting conversations that have people that um, <laughs> have written songs about. And so, yeah. So and, everyone's had a different reaction. Yeah, I'm sure, and I, flattering's probably right there with it. And you got to think too, you know, having the gift of music is is something that I know Brandon and I cherish. I'm sure it's something that you don't take for granted. There's a lot of people that can't do what you do. And so, you know, almost to be a little cliche, you know, sometimes whether it's the Menzingers or, or whomever, that's kind of like their 15 minute of fame. You know, it's that, that's their way of, of kind of, I've, I always love music because once it's recorded, it's something that's never been created that now exists and will exist for eternity. So I think it's cool that you bring in the real life and, and real people so that they get the opportunity to, you know, live on in that way. Now, and they say that the uh, sweetest sound a person can hear is their, you know, sound of their own name. It's kind of like a, yeah, um, uh, uh, something that just kind of re, you know, I don't, I don't want to say reaffirms your own, your own self, but definitely something that can bolster your sense of self when uh, someone else says something about you in a way that you can't say yourself. So you guys released two singles off of the new album, Lookers and Bad Catholics. So why did the band? choose these two to promote the album so lookers is just a really catchy song it's really accessible i think it's recorded really well yeah. it's um a, so much fun to play live but it's uh definitely it tells a cool story it's not as um it bridges a good gap between what we've been working on that uh sorry it, it uh it bridges a new gap that uh some of the things that have been taken a further takeoff of old stuff that we did, like stuff that isn't as familiar and also our older stuff. So it was like a good bridge um, to go from the previous records to this record. Which one do you like? And, uh, I was just going to ask him that. I don't know. I, get, I like them both in different ways, you know. Uh, Bad Catholics almost did not make the record. In fact, it oh. wasn't supposed to be on the record. Man. That would have been um, a shame. I love it. Yeah, that would have yeah, been Yeah, it's funny. The, uh, Brett Gerlitz, um and Matt over at Epitaph, they we'd set them the record uh, without tell, like we had put it in order and we put two B sides at the end of the record. Yeah, uh, which was Bad Catholics and another song at the time. That was our plan. 
And then they got back to us and were like, yeah, so we think that, uh, you know, these we really like these two songs as singles. And they ended up being the songs that we assumed were going to be B-sides. So we had to come back <laughs> and we kind of uh, had the conversation of changing it. And we really, uh, yeah, we were glad that we kept that song and it ended up being a good a good single too as well. Are there any other singles that are going to be released before the album release on February 3rd? Uh, yeah, there will be. Do you have the ability to tell us what those are? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I uh, yeah, I'm... I'm uh, I don't know the dates that we're going to um, release them. We don't have that information right now on hand. We're still kind of finalizing the release plans and stuff. So I'd rather, rather you get to wait for it. All right. So we can be patient, I guess. We've waited uh, all year yeah. and only a month or two until uh, we get it here pretty shortly. So yeah. that's fine. We'll yeah, be that's patient. Yeah, that's what's funny for me. I've been listening to it for so long that this is a short amount of time to wait. Is <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, the band then is going on tour literally right after the release of the album to support the new music. What's this tour going to look like for you guys? Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, we're playing uh, a lot of places that we have played before, a couple of new places. But we're going on tour with Jeff Rosenstock. He's and awesome. Roswell Kid. Oh, he's great. Jeff Fantastic is awesome. Human being. He makes wonderful music. Uh, I wasn't very, very super cool. familiar. He's a lot for the, for the yeah, I wasn't super familiar with him, but I was you know, looking into things for, for your band and saw that he was with you guys. And I, I was listening to a bunch of his music today and a couple of days ago, he has got such a cool gritty sound to him. It's, it's almost like he's in the room with you. Like you feel like he's talking right to you. He's got yeah, an interesting approach definitely. with his music. I like it. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. And uh, he's also done so much for um, the scene that we that we run in uh, over the years. He's in, uh, you know, he's runs a record label. And he's oh yeah, he's all a lot over of the people place. and always had a a really good positive influence on a lot of bands and people. And the Menzingers will be at Mister Smalls on February twenty eighth. So yep. we're excited oh, dude, to I see. I think it's the first. That's the first day of the tour. What's that? I'm pretty sure. I think it's the first day of the tour actually. It's at really Smalls. Exciting. Yep. Oh nice. You're kicking it off here in Pittsburgh. Yep. That's oh, yeah. awesome. And I love Mr. Smalls. You yeah. played Mr. Smalls before, Tom? Many times. Oh, yeah. Many you love times. it? I, I love Pittsburgh. I fucking love Mr. Smalls. My favorite place to go see a show. Really? Yeah, it's fantastic. So, Tom, are you a Steelers fan? Uh, No, I'm a Eagles fan. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you that, but, you know, yeah. I think I saw a picture yeah, of you on social know. media with like a watching a Steelers game or something. So I wasn't sure. And I, I wasn't, I didn't know if I want to call you out and you know, if you have Eagles yeah, friends I mean, or because of my friends who live in Pittsburgh uh, and because of like the whole, I don't know, that, that just the, my, the way I feel about the city, I think that I'd have to pick them as my second favorite team. If I had to pick them, Okay. if they were playing in the Super Bowl against any other team besides um, the Eagles, I'd be really excited about it. Yeah, that's what this year's going to be. So you'll get the opportunity to cheer for the Steelers. Hopefully, um, you know that I would. That would be. I'd be so excited about that. That'd be awesome. Not if my well, Browns have anything to say these. about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, what, Bra- Brandon's that? from Cleveland, so he's a Browns guy. Uh, so not if my Browns. Are they notoriously have to say like about the it. worst team of all time? Yes. Absolutely, and and more than just yeah. football. So. Yeah, no, no doubt there. Uh, what's your favorite thing about yeah. Pittsburgh? I know that when we were talking off the air before we started, you said you've been to Pittsburgh. You like the city. Is there something in particular that you like about the city of Pittsburgh? It's inhabitants. Uh, so many uh, great people that I know are from Pittsburgh and have lived there. And every time I've been there, I've had such wonderful and genuine experiences with those people. 
Um, besides that, the city just is gorgeous. I mean, all the rivers that run through it, um, the way it's set up, it, it, it looks a lot like uh, a large, you know, um, like a bigger, more beautiful Scranton in a lot of ways. Yeah. The architecture is very similar. Um, the bar and church on every corner is very right. similar. It's like, uh, you know, it's a, they're, they're wildly um, familiar. It's just some kind of weird familiarity when I go there. So. So, uh, like that. so what we're going to do right now is we're going to play Bad Catholics, one of the singles right. from the new album. After the party, it's going to be released on February 3rd of 2017. We're going to play Bad Catholics in its entirety. Tom, what do you think? That sounds great. Brandon? Let's rock. All right, everyone. So without further ado, please allow me the pleasure to play for you right here, right now on the Spinning Thoughts podcast, Bad Catholics by the Menzingers. Smokes, bottle of clear eyes and appetite. We were pilgrim the Turkey Hill on Main Ave and West Side. When you guess the only thing we had to fear would be flashing the lights in our rear view mirror. This time they got us, it's all over now. You were praying Hail Mary's for an escape route. So that was Bad Catholics by the Menzingers off of their new album, After the Party. It's going to be released on February 3rd of 2017. Brandon, what'd you think of Bad Catholics? Love it. It's a rocking song. It's uh, hopefully pretty 
representative of what the rest of the album's going to sound like. Tom, can you elaborate on that? Uh, yeah, I think that the, the same vibe and some of the same, I mean, uh, the same vibe and the same lyrics, themes are uh, definitely prevalent on the album. And I think the, the overall feeling of, uh, is going to, you know, it carries through. We'll let you, we'll you, we'll you be the judge. <laughs> and we'll let you know, too. Uh, so yeah. looking <laughs> back on 2016, Tom, what were some of your favorite moments? Oh, man, I... Um... We did a tour with um, Bayside in August. Hell yeah! Okay. On there, awesome. that was one of the yeah. There were some great, great times. Um, see, everybody on social media and uh, a lot of uh, internet websites and stuff are just ragging on how awful of a year 2016 was. But I think that uh, for me personally, 2016 was one of my best years so far. I just uh, started to get a lot of things in my life under control that um, had since been uh, had since prior been uh, a little bit. <laughs> more restless. Um, yeah, I had a great year. Uh, there was, um, I started to sharpen some new skills. I started to record, uh, some bands with a friend of mine named Andy and started to dive into that world, which has been a whole new experience, which is great. Does that carry over into the band then that you're kind of getting the, the back end exposure to recording and that it's a different, similar, but different thought process. Yeah, uh, same. Yeah, it's, you just become more familiar with the technology, which is just a tool to get you to the end of where you want to be, which is a, a good sounding recording or a good, a good written, a well written song. So you can use a lot of the uh, pieces of technology that we use in recording to um, sharpen writing skills uh, or to you know make better pre production or write or record better demos with the rest of the band and things like that. You know, it's been a it's been a huge help. You know? But so, it's just a, oh, another way to expand knowledge of uh, of music, music theory, and just uh, you know technology in general. Okay. And and it's also a, a really nice way to kind of give back to other artists that are looking for somebody with that knowledge and skill set, and to kind of share more music with the world outside of even the Menzingers. And I, I think that's admirable too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've recorded so many, uh, like, you know, acoustic demos with my friends and other bands and stuff. Like, hey, I need to practice. What are you doing? Come over and record some songs. That kind of, yeah. that kind of vibe. So if we could fast forward to this very time next year, or if you could read the future, what would you say some of your favorite moments from 2017 were? What do you hope they're going to be? Oh, man, that's like... Uh... <laughs> It's deep. There's Time so much that can go country. anyway. <laughs> yeah, that can go any any direction. I hope that we'll have uh, been to some new and exotic places. I really want to go to Russia and Mexico. I, mean, uh, I think those are places that are definitely on the to-do list. Oh hell yeah! Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. And I think uh, I hope that uh, the people that I'm close to in the world in general is just in a, in a bit of a better spot than it is now. Um, some friends going through some things, and I'd really like to see them very happy. It'd be it'd be great. So on that topic and on a topic that we talked about earlier in this episode about, you know, you being involved in politics, you know, at least having a voice and, and putting that through in the music. What kind of positive changes do you hope to see in the world this next year? Other than playing in Russia because Donald Trump has fixed our relationship with Russia. <laughs> I think uh, I hope that people communicate with each other more and there's a general uh broader sense of empathy among all different kinds of people and that's a kind of bit of a pipe dream but i really hope that people can look past a lot of the 
race baiting and uh, a lot of the uh, different fake reasons why people push away from each other and start to realize that there's there's more than uh, it's more so a have have not and us and them situation not between people that are the same as us but between the people that are taking advantage of everyone else and kind of dividing us along frivolous lines i really hope that uh with the onset of the internet and with uh not the onset of the internet that's you know, it's, been, it's been here forever but with information becoming more and more accessible that people will start to be able to um, break away from some of the previous zeitgeist that have, that have kind of governed us for so long and some of the Honestly, I hope a lot of the older institutions fail. I hope that uh, so a lot of the um, major media outlets that have for so long been um, holding the reins uh, kind of crumble, and people already don't trust them. Sick and tired of the lying, you know, the endless war right. and destruction and uh, well, news isn't even news anymore. News is all opinion. There, there's no way to know if it's the truth. It, it seems anymore. It does seem that way. It's uh, very emotionally driven. Uh, people kind of, um, you know, it's whatever to get people to look click on a fucking ad for a you know, perfume or something. You know, it's kind of who atrocious. Was, who really was it? The guy? Paradigm shifts. Was, was it the guy, Brandon, from CNN? I, I can't remember. I think we were talking to Pat Thetic from Anti-Flag about this. The guy from CNN who, like, openly admitted to giving airtime to Donald Trump throughout this past election cycle just because he knew that it would bring up the ratings and he didn't care about policy talk or letting, you know, giving Clinton a fair share of time. Do you remember that conversation? I wasn't on that interview. Um, with Pat from Anti-Flag. Yeah, you were. Um, so yeah, talk- I mean, I'm sure Jay there's was, but- several, several journalists that have uh, done that exactly. Maybe that person was talking about doing it, but that's exactly what happened. I mean, that was even part of the Democratic Party strategy was to create a, uh, well, I think they referred to it as a Pied Piper situation where you'd pick the Republican candidate and try to give them more time that became, uh, that was not electable to the average American and it kind of completely and entirely blew up in their face. <laughs> I mean, you have the, the media gave Donald Trump um, and his, his, his really um, disparaging and, and uh, emotional and, and, you know, uh, race baiting and, and, and hate rising mm-hmm. bullshit things that he said and gave plenty of attention to that. And at the same time, you have journalists from CNN and other places that were um, feeding Hillary questions before the debate. Right. Like that. The entire thing is just completely fucked. And I really think that uh, uh, people's collective trust in the media is, is going to be is tarnished greatly and forever. Now, Tom, which hopefully the positive end there could be that people start to look for the truth and uh, seek the actual truth and seek information and make informed decisions. And I guess the bad part would be that you get even uh, less reliable and more um, sensationalist internet news sources. So I guess we'll see how that goes. What role does music play in that? Everything that you're saying right now. I think that music uh, provides a, a, a cathartic. Um, and and not an escape, but like a, a cathartic and, and powerful outlet for people to um, connect themselves to each other and connect the, the, themselves to the to the earth itself. You know, there's something weird about the way that music can make you feel. It's a series of uh, of rhythms and and vibrating strings and noises at different frequencies that come together and form mathematical harmonies that make you feel a certain way. It's such a strange thing if you if you look at it from a, from that standpoint. Um, it definitely brings people together and always historically has. So you get a lot, a whole lot of people will come to one place to see a band and, and in their connection, they dance, which is a form, you know, it's like dancing and singing along are all forms of interacting with someone. 
on a, a, a spiritual level. And I think that if you interact with someone on a spiritual level, you're bound to have some kind of uh, connection and empathy with them where you can turn into a more positive uh, and, and harmonious existence with other people in the world around you. I guess that's kind of like a, a long answer to what, what role music is. It's an awesome is, answer. I don't think that, it is an awesome answer. No, <laughs> thanks, man. I don't think that um, music plays as much of a role as musicians going on television and spouting about um, politics or, or different issues. I think it has more to do with actual um, music itself in the community that pops up around it. Well, that's kind of my next question. What's it going to take in order to to have music play the same role in our lives and culture uh, that it did, let's say, in 1965 through, you know, 1970. Like, what, what's it going to take to push music into making that change? I'm not sure. I, I wasn't, uh, it's hard to say because I wasn't around then. Uh, not that all experience has to be, you know, not all evidence of something has to be anecdotal to be able to get a good grip on it. But I, I do know that I wasn't there. I don't know what it was like. I, um, it's so romanticized, it's romanticized to the point where people are selling, you know, mutual funds with fucking Jefferson airplane songs in the background. You know, it's like a, <laughs> a baby burn bullshit. But the, uh, um, uh, I, I think that people are uh, such a broader access to music now. And think about it. When you walk down the street, you get, people have earbuds and listening to music on the subway or listening to music in their cars and everybody's driving. And it just seems like, uh, people have more music in their life and, uh, the access to getting it. A lot of the old obstacles are gone now. Like, uh, Spotify is not expensive. Spotify is like $9 a month or something like that. $10 a month. Yeah. It's like two beers. You know, yeah. Don't drink two beers. Now you have, you can listen to any Endless fucking music that yeah. has ever come out. Yeah. It's really so, well, nuts. You know, basically. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. And, uh, that, that, those obstacles are gone. So now you can, uh, you can find out what you actually like and what what you you know what you want to listen to and a lot of the uh, music journalism and things like that that used to exist as the as the tastemakers and gatekeepers not that there was a bad thing they were good they, people were good at, at tapping into what um, the culture at the time wanted and what people were feeling and they were able to write about that and expose those bands and stuff but I think that those people uh the traditional gatekeepers like uh, music journalists and and labels and things like that are playing less of a role in getting music to people so i think that um you can have spontaneous movements that are don't have the same obstacles so i think in order to get it to play a bigger role socially it's just going to have to be people themselves collectively deciding what they want to hear you know and moving in that direction so tom brandon and i here at the spinning thoughts podcast we are you know supportive and fans of all the holidays during this 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 time um but in particular brendan and i do celebrate christmas um is that a holiday that you celebrate uh yeah totally i mean i think it's a uh it's more of a cultural holiday than it is a religious holiday for, for right. everyone I uh, agree. you know and then you can even go wacky and get back to it's always been a uh Centered a bit around the solstice, and there's always been festivals uh, across so many cultures and religions that have just uh, snowballed and been adopted by every other religion that has come along. You know, but it's definitely, I mean, it's certainly a, a Western um, cultural holiday, and you know, especially with the the nature of the consumerist culture that we live in, mm. like you know, this is when you this is when it takes something fucking two weeks to get to your house because everybody's shipping things at the same time. <laughs> so, what kind of what kind of traditions? exist in your family around the holidays are there any i come from an yeah, italian family so there's a ton for me 
Oh, you guys eating swordfish and all that shit? Yeah. <laughs> I used to have a, a lot of uh, Italian friends. The seven fishes, but swordfish is not one of them. Ah, <laughs> uh, I thought swordfish was the last one or something like that. I forget. May, actually, you might be right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna quote myself um, on that. Some Italian. Yeah, you I, are. Think I, I think I might be right on that one. Uh, I, we, I always uh, drink yeah, too much wine. Favorite. Yeah. Oh, I believe that. I yeah. Definitely believe that. <laughs> I have. Uh, so I come from a, a family that's uh, pr- uh, predominantly Irish and Lebanese in Scranton. Like, uh, that just came over, worked in the mines. Uh, the Lebanese part of my family came over, and uh, they were produce. Um, they worked in produce. You know, not that that's relevant to how I celebrate Christmas, I guess. But that's just <laughs> so we would eat a lot, we would eat a lot of traditional. Yeah. We'd eat like uh, tabbouleh and kibbeh and stuff, and then on the Irish side, we'd have uh, ham and cabbage. And, uh, they're both Catholics, so it was like a. You did the four, oh man, like each week leading up to Christmas, there's a different um, story it's told. It's an advent, yes. I think uh, it's called. Yep. Um, so you do that, and then on Christmas, we would go to midnight mass on mm-hmm. Christmas Eve when we got older so that we didn't have to go to church on Christmas morning. Right. But yeah, the traditions were we, we did something called a grab bag, which is uh, everybody gets a, it's kind of a secret Santa without being secret, so everybody gets <laughs> a name, and then you buy a gift for that person. Um like we have a lot of siblings and cousins and stuff, so and everybody would go to my grandparents' house and we'd all trade trade gifts and uh, steal beer out of my grandfather's um, closet, which you definitely mm-hmm. had to know we were stealing. Oh yeah, we didn't drink that much, and we had a lot of cousins, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, we kind of just let that one slide. Hey, tis the so. season, right? They had they had to come up with that saying somewhere, right? Yeah, that was that was exactly that was the like understood role. I guess if you don't say anything, like, hear no evil, see, see no evil, you know. Right. So, hey, Tom, when I'm trying to think of any good traditions. That's hey, you know, just celebrating the holidays, being around family and that that's good enough. But when I was a kid, I got a gift that literally I mean, seriously, it made me pass out from the excitement. I'm talking like a younger kid, so I'm not trying to embarrass myself here, but uh, (laughs) passed out from the excitement and joy. It was Sonic and Knuckles for my Sega. Um, Dog, I remember that game. Seriously, man, I passed out. I was screaming so much, I, I couldn't catch my breath. <laughs> passed out. So it still gets me amped up, like thinking about that innocent excitement, not knowing how, you know, life was going to be later on outside of Sonic and Knuckles. But was there a gift that ever kind of blew your mind as a kid that you got? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. You know, I don't. Um... I definitely uh, got a lot of things I wanted and a lot of toys and, and uh, you know, never wa- wanted for anything. I'm trying to think if there's anything that really just, like, knocks it out of the park in my mind. I'm sure that uh, my siblings and probably my parents would be bummed, like, that it's escaping me right now. <laughs> You're like, God damn it, you <laughs> ungrateful <laughs> bastard. <laughs> yeah, you ungrateful. You don't remember this one thing that I worked so hard on. Uh, but 15 yeah, I guess years ago for you, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So uh, on, a, on the same topic, but in, re- in relation to the band, has the band ever received Christmas gifts from fans? And if so, can you can you give us an example of one or two? Oh man, yeah, we've definitely gotten uh, uh, people will write notes and homemade things. Uh, but I think the best gift that we ever got it wasn't a Christmas gift, but uh, a younger a younger fan of ours uh, gave us a card, and inside was a a nice note, and it said. <laughs> you guys always look so tired. Here's a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was very funny because that's person had only seen us on like West coast tours. Like, we're at the end of our rope and kind of just 
That's yeah. hilarious. It is uh, always kind of tired for touring for 10 years. That's hey. pretty good. But then another person gave us the best gift we ever got was uh, they'd given our, our tour manager, I believe, a box. And uh, he, he brought it back for us. And they're like, yeah, check in. Here's some coffee. And here's some, like, cookies, you know. And here's, a, like, a cool drawing we made or whatever. And we look inside the coffee. And we looked inside the coffee. And there's a fattest bag of uh, uh, really awesome weed in there. Hell cool. yes. Like really, yeah, it was awesome. You know. It, that I I don't think you can top that. That would have been a blow my mind as an adult gift, to be honest with you. Pretty rad. Oh yeah, it was great. It was so cheeky too. It was all like wrapped up really nice, and everything was very aesthetically pleasing. Well, if you're gonna go uh, that really route, cool. if you're gonna go that yeah. route, you got to go all the way. You know, you don't want to cut any corners yeah. with that kind of gift. So, I can no, definitely appreciate. They, it. They're going for it. They're just straight up like, all right. Well, and it was in a state that uh, no, it wasn't legal yet, but it was. Uh, I think it was in in. Washington State, or no, it was in Oregon. That's where it was. It was in Portland, Oregon. And they just, you know, they gave it to us and it was awesome. Made the next couple of days very uh, relaxed. <laughs> so if the band created a Christmas list, and we know you guys do, but if the band created a Christmas list, what would be one thing on that list? I don't, I don't know. Guitar pedals, for sure. There'd just be like 900 different kinds of guitar pedals. <laughs> Um, is there a particular pedal you yeah. like the most from one guitarist to another? You know what, man? I've been uh, so I was using different versions of uh, the, the different versions of the tube screamer that came yeah. out. Um, and they kept breaking on me. A bunch of them were really old. It's completely understandable. You know, of course it's going to break. Right. Um, they're a little bit unreliable. I was getting good sounds out of them, but then somebody recommended to me uh, the JHS Moonshine pedal. Haven't heard and of it. I got that recently, and that thing is fucking awesome. You can really push. Um, it's pretty versatile. You know, it's, it's just a distortion pedal, so yeah. um, or an overdrive or whatever. If there's you know, you know, fundamental difference between the two of them, but it's, uh, you can get. Uh, I use it to beef up courses on one setting. Like it just gave a much thicker, a little bit of a volume boost, uh, a little bit more distortion. But you can also push it and get some crazy um, leads out of it. It's awesome. It's a it's my it's my favorite pedal that I've gotten in a long time. I'll have to check it out. You Great. said JHS what? Yeah, JHS pedals. It's called the Moonshine. Nice. It's just like a, a matte. No, it's not a matte gray. It's kind of like a, I don't know, like a sparkly gray, but not, it looks like static almost. Cool. And then uh, a jug handle on it with this three X's. It's just called the Moonshine. Oh, it's so nice. Good. Yeah, it's badass. Play, playing I think off it's of supposed the drink. to be modeled after uh, Toad Screamer, and uh, I think, um, you know, something like that. Awesome. So, Brandon, is there anything you want to ask Tom before we? Um, Round the corner to signing off here. No, I mean I, I feel like we've had we've had a good conversation. Uh, Tom's let us in on on what's been happening for 2016, what he plans for 2017. Um, so I don't have anything in particular that I feel like we haven't got answered. I'll, um, I'll be able to fall asleep tonight knowing I I took advantage of this opportunity. So Tom, we want to give you the opportunity before we say goodbye to let our listeners and your fans know where to find the band. I know that, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff, but where to find a band, any other news coming down the pipeline or anything else that everyone should be keeping on their radar. Uh, I mean, I guess just uh, the social media stuff, you know, it's like uh, a lot of times when somebody run into like an Uber driver or something, they're like, Oh, you're in a band. Cool. How do I find him? I got, I don't know, man. Seriously. The easiest way to kind of get to knock it out. I would say um, for tw- another thing for 2017 I wanted to do, and this might be like a pipe dream, but that was one thing I completely forgot about was I uh, start doing an email list again. You know, I remember like back in the day bands would have like a, an email. Sheet. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, or a mailing list at the merch table. I want to try getting that and then just personally sending emails to like uh, city specific, um, get like a city specific kind of communication going on, you know, we can learn more about the places that we've been going to for 10 years. So it's like kind of a little bit more personal than just uh, 140 characters or something that you're right. just trying to get people to retweet or whatever, you know. Technology. And like I'm trying to chase some kind of authenticity, but it just seems like it could be a cool, cool little adventure for 2017. Technology and social media. It's an interesting dynamic uh, because, yes, it's bringing so many people together. It's bridging a lot of gaps. But it, with that, as with so many things in life, it's creating a lot of distance and dissonance. And so kind of reverting back to other, you know, tactics, if you want to use that word or approaches, um, like an email list and things like that. I saw you guys were doing some pretty cool campaigns on Twitter with like, if you retweet, you get, you know, put into a drawing for a signed poster, just even those little things. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it gets people talking and, and it's something to do other than, you know, just reading, a, a, like you said, 140 characters. So I think you guys are yeah. approaching everything the right way. And, um, you know, Brandon and I wish you all the best coming up here in 2017, Tom. Thank you guys so much, and thanks for having me. I have to have you back sometime. Oh, hell yeah, man. We'll we'll talk again soon. Um, and just hang on tight as we get off the air. We're gonna we're gonna say a few things to you once we get off the air. But uh Tom, we wanna thank you for being with us here on the Spinning Thoughts Podcast. Good luck with the release of After the Party on February third of twenty seventeen and uh good luck with the tour. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you guys, and thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, not a problem, dude. Take care, brother. Once again, we want to thank Tom May from the Menzingers for joining us here on the Spinning Thoughts podcast. Brandon, as always, what are you thinking? I'm thinking that if if this new album that's coming out February 3rd after the party is is anything like the, the singles that I've been hearing uh, released in 2016, this is going to be a killer album. I can't wait for it. Stay tuned, everybody. We've said this multiple times on the podcast. 2017 is going to be a great year for music, so definitely check out the Menzingers after the party February 3rd, 2017. It will be available basically everywhere. You can check out the Spinning Thoughts podcast by going to our website, spinningthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. You can follow us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and much more. Signing off from the Spinning Thoughts podcast, this is Angelo. And this is Brandon. We are leaving you from the Spinning Thoughts podcast, World Music Megaplex at Evergreen Studios. Peace. Peace out. Peace out.